Today's TribCast is presented by the Bullock Museum. Follow a young woman as she discovers the music and legacy of Texas blues legend Stevie Ray Vaughan through exclusive interviews and an exploration of the blues scene in Austin. This exhibit is on view now at the Bullock Museum. Also, the Texas Association for Freestanding Emergency Centers. TAFEC raises statewide awareness of freestanding emergency centers as a high-quality, accessible emergency medical care option. Learn more at tafec.org. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas guys Hi, this is Governor John Kasich of Ohio. If you're in Austin on Monday, May 22nd, I hope you'll join me at Book People, where I'll be signing copies of my new book, Two Paths, America Divided or United, and talking about the state of the country with Evan Smith of the Texas Tribune. Enjoy this week's TribCast. Now here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast on the 17th of May, two weeks out-ish from Sonny Die, maybe. Uh, I'm joined by <laughs> executive editor Ross Ramsey. Sonny Die number one, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right, Howdy. exactly. Political editor Amon Bathija. Hi. And investigative reporter Jim Malowitz. Yo. 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 Okay, that's a new one. You took my howdy. Uh, I've, had, I've, I've owned howdy for a while. I know. Um, you guys, are we going to have a special session? I, you know, it sure looks like it. We're either going to have a special session or we're going to have a bathroom bill and a property tax bill that are to the liking of the Are one and the governor. same? Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. That'd be, that'd be a piece of legislation. Wouldn't it? No property taxes on bathrooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we're just a couple of minutes. We're following by just a couple of minutes this um, – News lecture. It wasn't exactly a news conference. More news of a news lecture, news lecture from Dan <laughs> Patrick. He didn't lectures? take any questions. Um, where he said basically, you know, we don't have to have a special session, but I'm not going to pass the sunset safety net bill. He said pretty explicitly. Which is if a I mandatory have, bill. To right, pass, it's right. mandatory bill. Unless we have this, um, the Texas Privacy Act, as he calls it, the bathroom bill, as everybody else calls it, and the property tax bill, as it passed out of the Senate. There's a House bill that's working, but it's significantly different. He's basically saying, you know, he didn't use the word hostages, but, you know, it sounded like everything you hear in a normal hostage negotiation. Bring us these things or we will kill these things. And so this comes on the heels of Joe Strauss, the speaker, sending, um, I wouldn't call it a love letter, putting putting a note in Dan Patrick's locker, correct? Well, it's weird. You know, it's like if this was a if this was an office tower instead of a building on its side, it'd be about, you know, 15 stories. You could just take the elevator, but he sent a letter. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, could have just walked it over there. And it basically said, you know, we can get this session finished in time if you'll pass these two bills. And, you know, I guess to the House that looked like, you know, let's move this forward and say, you know, if if we don't pass these two bills, it's the Senate's fault. I think that's how the Senate took it, uh, took it as, you know, an attempt by the House to shift blame in advance of a session going off the rails. And, you know, the lieutenant governor came out this morning after saying through a spokesperson yesterday he didn't want to negotiate this through the media for a media conference and said, you know, kind of laid out these demands. It seems strange because Strauss seemed to almost be trying to talk for the governor and say, if these bills pass, we have no reason for a special session, where Patrick was actually saying, 
I'm not speaking for the governor. I'm just saying I'm going to kill this bill that has to pass if you don't and give me I'm what, gonna, I, give and me what I want. And I'm going to ask the governor for a well, special he session. He kind of had the governor's help in that. You know, the letter yesterday, or the letter actually went from mm-hmm. Strauss to Patrick on Monday night and then um, became public on Tuesday. I didn't hear about it from the speaker's office, but I heard about it about the same time a bunch of reporters did. So I assume somebody in the speaker's office let it loose. Um, and yeah, Patrick actually said something about that. You know, it was a private letter sent to me that they released to the media. No, know, no problem that they released. There's it to no the private media. letters in government. <laughs> uh, they uh, so anyway. So this came over, and then a bunch of reporters, including Alex Samuels from our office, caught Greg Abbott yesterday after the was it the Policeman's Memorial? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he he said. Um, we have time to do this. There's a couple of bills I want passed. He mentioned bathrooms. He mentioned property taxes. He mentioned his emergency items. And he said, we have plenty of time to do it. It was a light version of what Patrick said today. It was basically, you know, if we pass these bills, we can get out of here. Those are bills the House doesn't want or that the House leadership doesn't want. Right. I mean, Strauss and the House, is, they don't exactly like traditionally negotiate with terrorists, right? I mean, you know, how are they going to take this message? They're either going to pass those bills or we're going to have a special session. Well, what do you think? I think, you know, I don't think, you know, if if the prospect is that you're going to have to have a special session anyway, then you might bring a version of these bills to the floor. I think the property tax bill has a pretty good chance of passing. The question is whether it has, it passes the way the Senate wants it, which is a, a hard limit on um, increases in local property taxes and anything above that limit would have to be approved by voters. The House's version is a much softer version that basically says, you know, you ought to ask your voters. You don't have to, but you ought to. Um, the bathroom bill just is a straight up tomato, tomato. I, you know, it's like if they don't want that bill, they can vote it down. I think the House is eventually going to have to vote on this. So that bathroom bill has not gotten out of committee in the House, correct? Right. Right. This is the House, the sort of lighter version of it. Um, so it would have to leave committee or it would get have to get tacked on as an amendment to something. Right. Right. So, so within the uh, context of this discussion, do we need to bring up the uh, Freedom Caucus? And does their maneuver to kill all of those bills, including the Sunset Bill, now look brilliant if that was— I mean, they were what, they are key to were, this. Right. Well, they, they played it in. I mean, you know, we, you know, we wrote about this. I mean, they played it into the Senate's hands. They, you know, upset with their own management, they handed it to the other house. Right. Which is a pretty savvy strategic mood. I guess it's just yeah. a question of does anyone know if they were looking at that Sunset Safety Net bill— mm-hmm. Or this is just dumb luck. I, you know, <laughs> however you count it, take the wheel. Don't call right? it dumb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, luck. I'm on the feed you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, so all of this at the end of the day comes down to what Greg Abbott wants to do, right? With regards to a special session. I mean, what, you know, let's say they get a property tax bill that, through that's, that's um, both chambers can agree on. If the bathroom bill is the only thing left lingering, would Abbott call a special session on it? Well, the problem here isn't the that he would call a special session on the bathroom bill. The problem is that he would have to call a special session if they don't pass the, the budget bill. or the sunset safety net bill. And if he has to call a special session, the way these things usually go, then he'll get a bunch of supplicants lined up outside of his office saying, save my bill that didn't pass in regular time, and one of those will be bathrooms. So if you're Joe Strauss, what do you do? I think you see if, how fast you can get the property tax bill out. And then make uh, that bathroom bill the only thing that's and, standing between you know, them and a special? You know, make sure that it doesn't land on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, this is this is partly a deal where Patrick and Strauss are both trying to remove their chamber from blame here, mm-hmm. you know, in a thing that looks like it's going to be a train wreck. Mm-hmm. 
Delightful. A couple questions from Facebook. Um, uh, Robin asks, what is the cost of a special session? I, you know, the numbers have been run before. It's like a million three, something like that. We'd have to ask Ledge Council to get a hard number on it. It depends on if it goes the whole 30 days. A special session can last 30 days. They've lasted it. They've been as short as 24 hours. So mm-hmm. it depends on how long it goes. And Candace asks, would calls to the governor asking not to have a special session be worthwhile? And the answer, I guess Ross basically just answered, is is no, because at the end of the day, there are two bills that have to pass. And if those bills don't pass, you know, the governor has no choice but to call them back. I, I don't think they're going to care about, you know, at some point in this, they don't care about process anymore. They care about getting done the things that they want to get done. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's a couple of must do's here, whatever your opinion about them is. You got to have a budget and you got to have these sunset bills. Yeah. With the sunset bill, if it didn't pass, set like a bunch of different agencies would basically have to shut down on September 1st, right? Yeah. We don't know what they are yet because the sunset bills themselves are still kind of rolling through the process and some of those may pass, but, you know, um, Transportation's a big sunset bill. That's still out there, not on the governor's desk. There's a bunch of stuff that hadn't reached Abbott's office yet. Uh, there are folks on Facebook, including Tyler Norris, who are trying to make their summer vacation plans and ask, <laughs> when does everyone think a special session will be? Immediately? In a month? Two? Evan already texted me, by the way, to say he's already going to Portland and Oaxaca this summer, so it doesn't matter to him when the special I just, session is. I just is. say Schlitterbahn's <laughs> closer than Disney World. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. I mean, sometimes they call it right away. And they get it out of the way. Other times it takes, you know, they would call them back a month from now. Yeah. One of the complicators in this is, you know, there's a 20-day period after a legislative session during which a governor can veto bills. And if the legislature is not in town, they're not here to overrule or override those vetoes. Um, Nobody's overridden a veto since Bill Clement's time, but it's still a possibility. So if Greg Abbott wants to veto bills without any legislative interference, he'll call them in after he's done with that work. Um, which would be, I think it's June 20th, Mm -hmm. something like that. Okay. That third Sunday in June. Right. Uh, All right. Well, and did Abbott weigh in today? I thought I saw right before we came in here that he'd released a statement on this. Uh, He did, and he seemed to reiterate what he said yesterday about... We still have time? We still have time, and these issues are priorities for me, including bathrooms and the property tax. Well, it feels like a parent who just walked into a food fight. I mean, (laughs) it it feels like one of those things where you could very much read it as he Mm -hmm. is in agreement with Patrick, or if you wanted to, you could maybe see it as an agreement with Strauss. I think think this is a really strong Patrick lean from the governor's office. I think the thing yesterday reinforced what Patrick is saying, and Abbott and Patrick seem to be kind of on the same page here. What does that mean for Strauss's power play? Uh, Losing. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. Please direct (laughs) your phone calls to Ross Ramsey. All right. uh, Well, let's talk uh, about another elected official who's been in the hot seat this week, and that is Sid Miller, uh, who has been. uh, Morgan Smith wrote a great story for us that I think Jim has all kinds of puns to tell you about. Uh, Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Involving warfarin, this feral hog poison uh, and a um, I guess not even surreptitiously a recorded phone call, a call that Sid Miller agreed to be recorded, where he basically is saying, you know, we can take those federal restrictions off the label. Jim, tell us what we need to know about this story. Right. It's quite a story. And uh, I'm sorry that Morgan's not here and I'm hogging her uh, spotlight. Um, but, Is that the best um, you got? No, yeah. there are more. Yeah, m- most of my puns do do involve the word hog. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, and I guess this, uh, this recording rooted out um, some sort of um, statement from Miller. But um, so for, first to um, make clear, so the, there's, there's this 
huge question about uh, this this hog poison. Um, uh, initially, um, the uh, Texas Department of Agriculture had had approved its use um, after the EPA approved um, uh, its label and, and, and its use. Um, and uh, but right now, it's not on the market because the company that has um, uh, created it um, has has taken it um, out of Texas because of the threat of lawsuits. And we're going to get the bejesus suit out of them. Right, right, right. When um, someone eats a f- poisoned feral hog. Right. But so so um, this um, hog, uh, th- th- this uh, guy who runs basically a, a hunting ranch um, where where folks can can go out and, and hunt hogs and then uh, take the carcasses home, had expressed um, his concerns to uh, Commissioner Miller. Um, before this was, uh, you know, when this was still a question as to whether it was going to be um, coming out in Texas, um, and uh, he had said that he had looked at uh, the label of, of this this poison and noticed that it requires um, f- folks to to bury the carcasses of, of hogs who are killed by it. Um, you know, a certain amount, I think, like eighteen six, eight, or eighteen, 18 inches, inches or something below underground, the um, and also uh, had had warnings about uh, other wildlife who may. Uh, consume the hogs who had been poisoned, and you know the warnings on the EPA label were very explicit. And um, Sid Miller, according to this recording that that Morgan got, um, said, "Well, we'll just change the label," um, which was kind of startling to to this guy who runs the hog ranch because because uh, he was wondering, so what does you know what does this mean? Do you just not take these um, these concerns seriously, and uh, Miller had just said, "Well, what you're telling me is just not doable. That the uh, it's impossible TPA to enforce. Can't yeah. can't can't enforce this right." Um, and so th- that that was the big story there. Um, you know, Morgan obviously uh, called uh, Commissioner Miller's op- Miller's office about this, and they said that uh, the commissioner had mixed up words in this case. Uh, he, he was saying that uh, he was mixing up the word label with rule because Texas would have had some power to potentially change, you know, craft its own version of the rules once this poison was approved. Um, but it was just a really interesting uh, insight into the commissioner's thinking on this. I just pull the label, let the chitlins fall where they may, I guess. I mean, basically, he was saying that he would have the authority to, ch- it sounded like, to change a federal label. Well, if you can, you know, if you can get around this by pulling the label, then you're not really addressing, I mean, and this is sort of what's interesting about the story, you're not really addressing the idea that if you poison hogs and people kill them and then eat them, is there something hazardous in the food chain? I mean, the label's not what makes it hazardous. I mean, yeah. and, there, and it sounds like there is if you have to bury these things 18 inches be- below the ground. I mean, you know, and how quickly do you find the dead hogs? What if they eat the poison on one property and then end up on another property? Are you suddenly responsible for burying this hog 18 inches under the ground? Right. Well, you know, I'd, unless there's some something weird about the poison, if it's if it's strong enough to kill a hog, it's strong enough to kill a well, person. Well, and what uh, Commissioner Miller had um, responded to those concerns earlier uh, uh, before this uh, re- recording came out, he was saying that this poison had supposedly turned the insides of the hog blue. blue. Right. And then, um, so that was a warning that don't, don't, don't eat that eat a, hog. So if you don't eat cut green eggs and ham. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, just a reminder, if you're tuning in on Facebook, that you can send us send questions our way. Uh, I mean, is this the latest? It, it seems like Sid Miller cannot stay out of the headlines to save his life. Right. Well, and, and you know, most of the early headlines didn't have much to do with his actual job. A lot of them were things he said about Muslims or, you know, uh, things that he sort of agreed with Donald Trump on, for instance. Um, but it, lately, you know, we, we've seen things like, like this in particular is a really good example of he's um, he's irking a lot of people who should be within his base uh, right. as the agriculture commissioner. Um, you're talking 
ranchers and he's he's angered some other ranchers and farmers when he um, dramatically hiked some of the fees that the agency right. charges um, so it, it's really interesting to see how, how this plays out with the people that should be his his base I will say you know he is meeting with these hooks one-on-one and agreeing to have his conversations recorded so I mean that's well, pretty incredible access been, from an agency commissioner well, he's he's maybe one of the most accessible yeah, officials there is um, you know he I, I've reported a lot on him, and, and we've reported some stories that, that he didn't necessarily like, but he always picks up the, the phone. We have a number of elected officials in Texas and have had for a while who are, seem to be afraid of their shadows. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't want to talk to the press. I might say something wrong or, you know, uh, Miller's not one of those. Yep. All right. Well, let's um, move to the, you mentioned Donald Trump. Let's move to the crazy news out of Washington this week that just does not seem to stop. Uh, first of all, uh, we had uh, in the who's replacing Comey department, uh, a high profile Texas senator who says he's not interested. Amon, what do we know there? Uh, John Cornyn, his name was floated uh, on a short list of, I think, 11 names that came out of the White House. And Cornyn actually met with um, some uh, federal officials on Saturday as sort of a quasi interview and then monday or i believe it was monday 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 or tuesday he announced that uh he just he's withdrawing his name from consideration and it seemed like uh a lot several senators not just democrats but some republicans said they did not want a political pick uh someone with a, from a partisan, a partisan background, background right, right to be taking on this job which is normally if the president doesn't fire you has a tenure tenure uh 10 year tenure 10 year tenure <laughs> say that 10 times fast and um also, uh, there was, I mean, this is probably pretty, pretty flattering to Cornyn, but a lot of Republicans said, we think you're doing a great job as uh, Majority Whip, and we don't want to lose you. There was sort of no hard feelings, but don't yeah, take that job. No hard feelings, yeah. right. But also, like, if you're Cornyn, I mean, from the first moment your name is even mentioned, don't you think, like, no effing way would I ever take that job? Well, he's in a weird position. You know, he's his... Um, his term as number two in the Senate expires in 2020, uh, 2019 maybe. Um, anyway, it expires pretty soon. And so if he's going to stay in the Senate, he's going to lose a lot of the power that he has now. Um, so it would be a natural time to look around. But, you know, whether you want to be in the position Comey was in five minutes ago with a 10-year um, cuttable contract. Well, and just every day there seems to be more reason to not want to be in that job under Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, again, the other headlines, I was, uh, Abby Livingston in our D.C. Bureau has been, you know, talking to all these Texans in Congress and trying to sort of get their pulse. I mean, you know, with this this latest headline that Trump tried to persuade Comey, it sounds like persuade Comey to, Mm -hmm. to drop the investigation into Flynn. I mean, what are we hearing out of Texans in the delegation? Is it radio silence or are they like getting, I mean, are they up to here? Uh, well, Democrats have been complaining about uh, Trump since the beginning, and they've been very vocal. And Al Green actually stepped it up today, this morning. He was on the floor of the House calling for Trump's impeachment, which he's definitely the first Texas Texan to do that. I don't know if he's the first member of Congress to actually do that Probably from the floor. Probably not by this point. But, um, <laughs> from the floor, I mean. That's the oh, right. distinction. Um, right. But um, Republicans have been mostly silent. We've been as, we've been as, The ones we've been most interested in hearing from are... Um, uh, Will Hurd, because he's a former CIA officer, and uh, from well, and because he's a dissenter, he's, exactly. he's much more centrist than most of the 
Republicans in Congress. Right, and Mike Conaway, who uh, is leading the House's investigation into Russia, right. uh, who also has not been saying much. <laughs> Interesting also, you know, that one of the Joaquin Castro's big reasons for, you know, not leaving uh, Congress is that, you know, he has this sort of key seat on this committee that's, you know, investigating the Russia, um, the Russian relationship. I mean, it looks like that work is even going to become more pronounced in the last 24 well, hours. And, and if yeah. you dial that forward, I mean, if you're if you're playing um, chess here a little bit, you know, if the Democrats do well in the 2018 elections, he could be a member on that committee of the majority party. Right. Right. Um, quick question from Donna on Facebook. So back to the, the FBI, 11 names is not exactly a short list. Um, any inclination of who is viable or who's a favorite on that list? Boy. <laughs> Day to day in this administration, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know. I no. think for for like a good twenty four hours, Cornyn seemed to be getting the most attention. Unless because, that because was just from us. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. Because right. there was because the Senate has to approve the right. FBI director, and there was a perception he would like float through. Um, and then senators started speaking up and saying, "Uh, no." So, um, no, I actually haven't heard any names that are you know. Any any indication that Trump is really leaning on any one specific person? He may not know what the hell to do. Yeah. I mean, the headlines I saw last night were that you know maybe he was thinking about getting rid of Spicer, and but there was no clear indication of who would replace Spicer. I mean, it's like I think if I took a job like that, I'd want a big signing bonus. Oh my God, you need an extraordinary signing bonus. <laughs> right. And then there was like the you know Kellyanne Conway, I guess the story about you know her going on uh, Morning Joe or telling the folks on Morning Joe several months ago that you know she was a short timer and this she was only doing this for I mean it th- these headlines just like are unbelievable they keep getting worse and worse well just yeah. the amount of leaks coming out of this administration are just amazing and really shows how so much of his staff doesn't seem to either respect him or feel like they're getting through to him well and it's people with pretty good access because a lot of these are small group leaks I mean you know he had a meeting with three people and here's what they said right like, I know. whoa <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yep. Accidentally Facebook Live their meeting right. with the National Security Administration. My favorite are the uh, stories about meetings about leaks that are leaked to the press. Really <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, reminder, if you're watching on Facebook, you can send questions our way. Um, another person in hot water this week is State Senator Carlos Uresti, uh, who has been indicted now. There were all these rumors and there was the FBI, um, you know, digging through his office. What do we know about why he's been indicted? Yeah, so it it was really interesting. There are actually two separate indictments. Um, One of them that we knew knew something about and knew that there were some uh, investigations um, into this, and another one that that sort of caught us off guard. Um, The one um, had to do with um, his involvement in a fracking sand company, uh, sand you you shoot down to to help free up... uh, uh, oil and gas. It was. Thank uh, God we have the former energy reporter. <laughs> on it's, the-, <laughs> uh, uh, the company's called Four Winds. Um, it's bankrupt, and uh, the allegations are basically th- that it was a Ponzi scheme that um, um, Senator Uresti and and the other folks at the company were misrepresenting um, the viability of this company, how much money it was making, um, and recruiting in, in investors in it, and and basically um, uh, telling them, uh, uh, you know, falsely. Um, representing uh, the company's earnings. Um, and, and, and in that case, too, um, there's sort of this extra twist in that um, Senator Uresti had allegedly um, recruited um, 
uh, one of his former clients, because Uresti is a, is a personal injury attorney, uh, one of his uh, former clients named uh, Denise Cantu, who he helped win about a million dollar settlement um, in, in, a, in a car crash that killed her kids. Um, she invested uh, most of that money uh, in this company and lost all of it. And uh, it's alleged that he did not uh, represent that he had a financial stake in this company. So um, actually, like in, in that case, there are some similarities to um, the Paxton case, yep. um, but there are a lot more charges involved. There's 11 um, charges in that indictment. The other one, uh, we don't have as much information on. Uh, the cause off guard was um, uh, he's alleged to have um, helped steer a contract uh, at a Reeves County uh, uh, correctional facility um, and uh, had basically uh, pocketed some money um, in, in, in that uh, case, too. So, so it's a bribery. Uh, and was supposedly mm-hmm. collecting the money from the contractor and splitting it with the judge who awarded the contract, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. There's um, a question from Edward on Facebook. So Senator Uresti and State Rep uh, Donna Dukes are under indictment. Ron Reynolds has been convicted. When are Democrats going to apply the same standards to their own as they do to Republicans? Well, it's a, it's a good point. It, it, it's a good point that mm-hmm. it um, makes for an awkward situation. I mean, um, that <laughs> awkward. you know, if you're if you're pointing to the indictment, uh, the ongoing, uh, you know, Ken Paxton uh, legal issues or or whatever that that you know some of the fingers are also pointed back at yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it uh, just shows us that, uh, um, you know, uh, legal issues don't don't respect party lines. <laughs> you know, it's hard to argue ethics against, you know, or to, to press an ethics case against the other side mm-hmm. on a partisan basis if your own side's dirty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you can't do it that way. You're going to have to do it just on, you know, there are enough of these cases now between the Democrats and the Republicans that, you know, Greg Abbott may be in the best position. I'm just pushing for ethics here. Yeah, right. right. What could he face if he's convicted? Do we know yet? Well, I mean, there's so many charges involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you add up all of the... Yeah, it's a stack, like, 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 yeah. If you yeah. add up, like, the maximum sentences for each charge, it's over mm-hmm. 200 years. Um, that seems, you know, pretty unlikely. But some news organizations did decide to run that headline, you know, you're actually facing, like, 200-plus years. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so a lot of the charges have, like, a 10 or 20-year or max. Well, the good news is our Facebook listeners have made the pun that we don't have to. Daniel and Jeff mentioned Carlos Arresti. Arresti, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, Carlos, arrest me. Oh. <laughs> that one's good, too. Uh, all right. Well, one more topic I want to hit before we wrap up here, and that is um, Greg Abbott was asked about sanctuary cities on Tuesday, and he basically said he was caught, I believe it was at the same press conference probably, mm-hmm. said the law won't open the door for Latinos to be pulled over and detained. Um, and he also reminded folks that he's got a lot of Latinos in his family, including his wife and his in-laws. Um, so, I mean, first of all, does the law allow people to be pulled over and detained? I thought there was an element of that that was feasible. It allows police to ask for papers does not require police to mm-hmm. ask for papers. So he said that it was wrong to, to characterize it as a show me your papers law because mm-hmm. it doesn't require that. Um, so a cop could just use their own judgment. Well, the, yeah, or a the, cop could you know, it prevents pissed, the it you know? prevents the police department <laughs> yeah. from ordering its cops not to, and that's different from requiring them all to do it. I mean, right. it's a you know, it's a lawyer's distinction, but the governor's mm-hmm. a lawyer. Well, and right. we had a story last week with. Um, an interview with uh, Art Acevedo, right? And yeah. he said that he's you know, a police chief, right? And he said that he uh, he's he can't stop his officers from enforcing taking advantage of the law to ask for papers. But um, he said he's hoping to train them in a way that they realize they kind of put themselves in trouble if they do it too much because they could be 
accused of racial profiling and other legal issues that he hopes they'll just see it as not worth the trouble in most cases. Right. I mean, they, the racial profiling element, element is really interesting because if you do leave it off up to the officer's discretion, you know, then I think you do have a case where people could file suit and say, you know, this officer only asked me this because of my race or because he mm. was, you know, irked over something, you know. Well, or that officer, you know, if an officer is going to do this and not be accused of profiling, they have to do it to everybody. Right. Right, and exactly. that's and that's only like one legal question about the law too. I mean, there's still mm-hmm. the the issue of, um, you know, American citizens that end up um, getting detained and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, if they don't immediately have their papers, so um, there's lots of questions about that. And I mean, do you think it resonates with folks when Abbott says, you know, reminder, my wife is Latina, like I would never do something to endanger my family, or you know, is that? I kind of feel like most of the people fighting this law just that doesn't mean much to them because his if, wife has papers <laughs> yeah and I, I, I think there's a feeling that uh, you know even if you're a documented person in this in Texas uh, if you have friends who aren't and you're traveling together that suddenly puts a fear among all of you mm-hmm. right all right, folks. Well, that's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. And if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. If you donate today, I might even consider putting Bobby Blanchard on the Tribcast, as some of our Facebook fans have requested. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. On behalf of Ross, Amon, Jim, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. 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 Texas talking.